0: You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Coming of Cage podcast, the Nick Cage podcast, where we talk about nothing but Nicolas Cage movies throughout his entire career all 100 plus credits to his name I am Derek I am one of your two hosts in this first episode of the show and I've got my buddy here Ryan and we're just going to introduce ourselves real quick hi (laughs) hi Ryan why why don't you introduce yourselves to all of our listeners hi I'm Ryan awesome it's beautiful it's great yeah and uh, why? Why did you want to talk on this show? Oh
1: well, I you know I just mostly like the sound of my own voice, mm. but also you know I'm I'm a Nick Cage fan, and Derek and I, Dare Bear as I like to call him, <laughs> we did a little show with a friend of ours and a wife of his that uh, did a few episodes of, of movie reviews and things like that, and it came up many times how big of a Nick Cage fan I am, and so uh, you know we with the terror of covid and everything else we kind of had to stop that show and we both missed it so we decided to you know maybe maybe why not we'll just worship at the altar of our one true god nick cage and make a podcast in his name amen
0: uh yeah i mean similar story for me I, I, I like Nick cage a lot. You know Uh, I think, I think the rock was the first Nick cage movie I ever saw just because of Sean Connery initially. But I mean, let's be fair. Who's the real star of the show. But you know, when our old podcast ended, I was like, well, I want to keep doing something with Ryan. So what, what can I pitch him that he'll have a really hard time saying no to that's how it
1: went. I don't remember exactly (laughs) like that, but Hey, you know, that's your your version and i like it
0: yeah yeah that's what i'm sticking to i'm sticking to it
1: the movie for me was con air when i was when i was a kid i had this like tiny like 13 inch tv with a built-in vcr and it was badass at that age because i'm old and (laughs) you know i had a vhs of con air and i watched that crap so many times and it's deep and deeply embedded in my heart now because of that
0: fantastic yeah yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I don't think I've ever owned a Nick cage movie on VHS. Yeah. They are no. all DVDs or no. Now you need to rectify that. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's still some around. Um, but Probably. so our, our first episode, we are actually talking about his latest release, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which released uh, this past April, 2022 and we saw it together
1: yeah and this i think this is i think this is a good one to start out the podcast with because it references a lot of his older works that we'll be reviewing throughout the series um yeah so i I mean i think it's a great way to start out some of the movies they referenced i haven't even seen yet so it'll be cool to see how that ties in uh but yeah yeah i think this is a great way to start i'm excited about it
0: Yeah, it's almost a little overwhelming how many movies of his I haven't seen. Like, I felt like I knew him pretty well. And then I started looking at his catalog and there's just a wealth. of. Well, we've
1: only seen the bangers, I think, Uh, for the most part. I've seen a few of the obscure ones that I'm not really excited about revisiting, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. There was one I saw on Hulu. I'm not even going to mention the title of because we'll watch it later. But it had him in it for like seven minutes. But he was like the headliner. So I don't know. That was
0: was that his rough. Godzilla? Is that no. what happened? No.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe you can call it that. But it yeah. was something. Yeah. Can't wait to review that one.
0: Uh, well, uh, looking forward to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That, that that episode will be eight minutes long, which which is probably longer than his screen time.
0: Well then that'll be worth it then. We'll go we'll really dive into the details of those, <laughs> right of, of, of his that performance. Scene. Uh yeah. I, I like it so uh yeah so the unbearable weight of massive talent so going into this movie like i expected a lot of caginess i expected it to be out there i expected it to be kind of loony because the concept is crazy so like for those who don't know what the concept is he's playing a fictionalized version of himself right who uh kind of is leaning into the stereotypes of Nick cage. So he's, you know, got lots of debt and he needs money and he, uh, you know, is kind of in financial trouble and somebody wants to hire him to show up to his birthday party for a million dollars. And this guy is just a Nick cage, super fan. And then they have escapades together. That's kind of how the movie was pitched. Yeah. Right. And, boy is it so different so i mean i guess spoiler alert for any for anybody uh we're we're reviewing the movie so if you haven't seen it and you care uh maybe pause and come back but this it's so i mean did you think it was gonna be as crazy as it was did i was i just like missing? it got
1: it got a little crazier than i thought it was going to but not a lot i mean just the premise kind of says what it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it was a lot, but I I expected it to be a lot and, and in a good way. So I, I I don't know. It was similar to what I expected.
0: Okay. I, I didn't realize how meta it was really going to get. So, and it's meta in a bunch of different ways, right? So you've got the Nikki character. So Nick Cage actually plays two versions of himself. He plays his fictionalized self and then he plays an imaginary version of himself that he talks to named Nikki. which fun fact he's credited as Nikki under his actual legal name not nicholas cage which is kind of cool but the Nikki character i actually expected to see more of but i feel like i don't know it was there <laughs> there's one scene in particular which i think is just the the you know most kind of crazy nick cage steering into himself process which is the making out with himself scene in the bar right how, how did you feel about that <laughs>
1: uh aroused confused <laughs> questioning my identity uh wondering who the second cage was in that scene uh like in real life when they were filming it right right um yeah a lot of weird feelings with that The the follow-up part that happens immediately after was wonderful delightful just, you know, him yelling Nick Cage smooches good or whatever he said <laughs> yeah. or something like that was just amazing.
0: I mean, that's what I was thinking of calling this episode is Nick Cage smooches. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a spoiler, but. I mean, a little bit. He could have kissed anybody. You don't know. That's true. <laughs> I
1: mean, the, the Nikki character was interesting, uh, but I don't. I don't know. I feel like the movie would have been Fine, without that character, it didn't need to really be there. It was great, and it gave him it gave you what you wanted, which was a little of the crazy parts of cage you know but i I tended to prefer the more like serious parts where he was like reflecting the the fictional version of himself was reflecting on his fictional but also real uh videography or however you want to call it uh his his history of movie making um Those were the parts that I I think I liked the most personally. Um, But the Nikki character was was a little bothersome for me, mainly because of the CG for the face. Uh, There was definitely some uncanny valley there that, you know, I know it was not the highest budget movie. In fact, it was probably a pretty low budget movie. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, then they probably should have gone a different route with that uh but yeah it was a little distracting maybe it'll look better on video or streaming when it comes out versus the big screen a lot of times cg does look better on a smaller screen but
0: yeah i mean because they they picked a pretty young age for that nikki character like even i think if they had even gone with conair or if they had gone with national treasure or something like that i think it would have been a little smoother but they went like really young
1: really young yeah
0: and so it's just kind of it kind of got that shininess to it that smoothness to it that's not quite natural right but i like the concept a lot because you know what it kind of plays on that concept of a lot of the times we're our own worst enemy right and at least i feel like that's what they were trying to get at that he's in his own way all the time that he's making poor decisions for himself and he needs to break out of that cycle and make better decisions. And that Nicky character is that part of him that's that voice in the back of your head. That's that's the one you shouldn't be listening to, right? That's telling you to do the the immature stuff, right? The things that you know maybe you did in high school or or you know college or your early twenties or whatever. And you grew out of that. He needed to kind of grow out of the Nicky character. But see, I
1: thought I thought the growth more came from Javi, mm-hmm. and like seeing. You know, he basically got a visualization of his entire career with Javi, who was a mega fan and loved every movie he's ever been in. And seeing somebody worship him like that, basically, and how much it impacted his life gave him the reflection that he needed, I thought, you know, more so than Nikki did. Um, Nikki seemed like more of like a thing just to have the fans connect with that, what they really want in the movie, which is crazy caginess. Mm. Um but I don't think that was the most important part of the movie personally.
0: Well, I mean I my favorite parts were the Cage Javi interactions. Absolutely. That, that bromance was just so wonderful and Pedro is just a freaking delight in this movie just across the board. Like I know this is a Nick Cage show and all, but man is he a wonderful co-star Pedro in this movie. Um but you're right. He does he he kind of forces those conversations. And while his decision-making isn't always the best, like flying Nick Cage's uh, movie wife and daughter you know, to Spain without telling him, not maybe the best decision in the world, but his heart was in the right place, you know? Yeah. Um, but those, man, that, the, the two of them, the chemistry that they had, those two actors really, it, it, it just really came through. I loved, from the moment they're together, that's all I really wanted to see was just more of the two of them. Like when they, when they're high on drugs, when they take that as LSD, I think, right. When they take the LSD and they're, you know, they think they're being followed. And of course there's the, the wall scene that's in the trailer. Um, but then they're, you know, there's the car chase built, well, but they're not being, they're not actually being chased. Right. But it's just, it was so fun. And I, it felt to me like these two have been doing movies together for years.
1: The yeah, th- I thought that was really good because, you know, you're kind of when Javi is trying to convince Nick Cage not to retire, I think is what was going on. Uh, but when he, he takes him to the cliffs or whatever, and he's try, trying to role play with him mm-hmm. um, and get it or improv or, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's an acting term for for whatever was happening there. But um,
0: yeah, I think Nick he, says it.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, then finally, Nick starts embracing it and. After that, you know, Javi gets to play out all these Nick Cage fantasies that he has, but he isn't actually like, I don't know. He's like so high and screwed up that he doesn't, it's not a game to him in those moments. Like he's not even getting to like embrace those moments as a fan because he's, in his mind, these are really happening and he's terrified, you know, so he he doesn't really get the full enjoyment that you want him to get out of these things because uh because they're too real to him which i thought was interesting it started off with this like joking to get him into a into a mindset and then it, and you know it continues to be something much more serious but it, those are the best moments in the movie for sure yeah javi pedro pascal is great and i should stop being surprised when he's great and i shouldn't even have to comment it anymore because he's essentially been great and everything i've seen him in yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I I just very much admire him, and and the chemistry was like you said, just delightful to watch, and and even that cut scene that we uh, that I shared with you uh, that came out after we saw the movie, um, you know, that one was great too. We were both like, why was this not in the movie? Because we all we wanted was more of that mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. We would just wish we had gotten more Javi, more Nick together, you know.
0: Well, because like Javi has to basically be like. This giddy little kid who's meeting his idol. Yeah. You know, except that he's also like, you know, a 40 year old millionaire.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he has to, like, he's been ordered to kill his idol. And, you know, it,
0: well, that's later. That's, that's a lot. Right. Later. But I mean, throughout
1: right. the movie, it's just, uh you know, it's a, it's a, it's a ramp that he has to go up and down and up and down. You know, these, he has these highs and these lows. And uh, it's definitely fun to
0: watch. I would say, like, so let me ask you this. At any point, did you really think Javi, kidnapped the girl at any point no okay didn't buy I, it i didn't either and i'm wondering if that's good or bad you know what were we never meant to really believe it or could, just did the character not i don't bad? think
1: we're we were supposed to believe it because we're seeing you don't see a lot of hobby by himself you see a lot of hobby with nick so you're we're meant to see what why nick trusts hobby and and we've seen hobby through nick's eyes essentially um so I don't think we were really meant to ever doubt that he was good, and you know when that gets introduced that he's a bad guy, and Nick gets introduced to the fact that he's a bad guy, um, you know we're we're left questioning. But really, I never questioned. I don't know. I don't think it was intended that we were supposed to question it. Or, or I think at the very least they wanted us to hope that he wasn't a bad guy, kind of like Nick did in the movie. You know, he didn't want him to be a bad guy. He wanted it all to be wrong and it to be a, him to be a good guy because he uses. Acting sense to establish that he knows more than the CIA or whatever homeland <laughs> security whoever it was that he was dealing with uh, and they made a joke about that but then it turns out he's not actually a, the bad guy mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah I mean one, one of my favorite moments is when Nick is supposed to go check out that room with like the glass door uh, mirror doors and he can't get it unlocked and of course you know Pedro shows up this is right after the LSD scene actually and Pedro's passed out in the car and when Pe- uh, when Javi shows up he's like you know if you go in there it's going to change how you feel about me i don't want it to change how you feel about me i don't want you you know all this other stuff he's like he's so worried about what's going to happen and i was like oh this this is the nick cage room this has got to be the nick
1: cage room. oh yeah i knew it. it was definitely the nick cage room also they, they spoiled that in the trailer
0: Oh, um, okay i must have missed that but well like,
1: no i mean they didn't spoil that exactly in the trailer but by showing us the nick cage room in the trailer it was very easy to piece together that that's what this was going to be
0: i loved how they introduced it though so when they cut to the inside it's still dark all you can first see is an outline of the National Treasure poster, <laughs> and yeah. you know just because of like when National Treasure came out, like obviously it's, it's not his best work, right? But I watched that movie a ton when it first came out because I, I love Indiana Jones and I really like Nick Cage, and it felt like a balance between those two things. So I watched a lot of the first National Treasure movie, and so when I saw that, I just I I cracked up like I couldn't I couldn't help it. It was just that was such a great way to introduce this room, yeah, right. And the room is so ridiculous. Like he's got crazy stuff. He's got one of those pillows, you know, that, you know, you, you rub it one way and it's Nick Cage's face and you rub it the other way and it goes away. And Nick's like, well, that's creepy. And Javi's all offended. He's, it's not. And he fixes up the pillow. And like, it's just
1: Your wife uh, has offered to give me that pillow. I think about a dozen times over the course <laughs> of our friendship or threat, maybe threatened <laughs> to get it for me would be a better term. <laughs> I'm not really sure at this point, but yeah. Oh. Yeah. That room was great. Uh, seeing. Nick Cage react to like what a room of a Nick Cage super fan would be like. Although there was a lot of stuff that I wish they would have had in the room that they didn't. um But you know, his, seeing him offer to buy the the statue with the guns was was pretty funny. Uh, but as a prop collector, this, some of you may may not know this about me if you didn't listen to Screen Heroes. But I collect movie props, and so I follow a lot of the values on these these things. If those were the actual guns that he used in Face Off. $20,000 is a very insulting offer. Uh, <laughs> so he, he would have paid a lot more for those than, uh, than what he was offered by Nick Cage. So Nick Cage in the movie clearly doesn't have any idea of the value of the things that he's used.
0: Well, I, I thought he was just offering to buy the mannequin that's made to look like him.
1: I mean, maybe it's kind of ambiguous, but yeah. I feel like the whole it was the whole thing with the guns and everything else. Gotcha. well i mean what else is he's just gonna buy a mannequin with his arms out
0: like this well know. he can get his own prop guns you know he's i nick guess cage. that's true right like, I mean, yeah. he has a di-
1: he has a dinosaur school why what does it matter exactly. you know he can get a gun
0: yeah yeah it's not a problem true but and that now that mannequin of course lines up a wonderful scene later on where you know they show the reflection of current nick cage over the the younger nick cage it's a very face-off kind of moment and <laughs> It's totally telegraphed, but it's still wonderful.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) if I remember right, they did a similar shot in Face Off where like the camera pans over to like a reflection. Like there's a double double or a single sided glass or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you get that same kind of effect in that movie with John Travolta and Nick Cage's face. Um, So, yeah, it was that was really nice to see. And it was a little heavy handed, but it but they really wanted the people who aren't as uh, observant to pick up on that which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it was, it was obvious enough that I was like making the face off motion to Derek when in the theater, when it was (laughs) happening. But, uh, yeah, I did like that moment.
0: I mean, this movie is mostly just a celebration of his career in a lot of ways. And, you know, yeah, maybe that's it's it's fan service-y, right? It's fan service. There's no question about it, but that's the point in this movie is to to show that fan service because that's who Javi is right that's what Javi wants Javi wants all that all of that fan service and we're getting it as as the audience so I think it works here I think you know in another movie that doesn't really work out but this is supposed to be meta and over the top and very sarcastic at times so it works
1: right you know? no I agree yeah I mean it- it was a celebration of nick cage's career and i'm totally on board for that that's the reason why i want to see it Mm -hmm. you know uh have you ever seen my name is bruce no so this is if you haven't heard of my name is bruce this is a movie that bruce campbell did i don't even know when but it was basically about the actor Bruce Campbell as a fictional character going to his town where they were having like a horror convention or Bruce Campbell convention or something and, and real deadites or something similar come out and these people expect him to save them. It's, it's a lot, it's very similar in concept to this movie. Uh, If, if you like Bruce Campbell and you liked this movie, I would definitely recommend checking that one out. This movie was, I was, I only brought it up because this movie was executed much better. I think than that movie was that movie was, I don't know. I think Bruce Campbell has a little bit more of a cult following than Nick Cage does. It's not as mainstream. He hasn't caught onto the meme culture as much as Nick Cage has. Um, so, you know, it had that going against it. But I think there, that this movie executed that whole concept much better. And those are the, really the only two movies where I've seen that kind of a concept played out. And it's always interesting to me to see that seeing the actor play a fictionalized version of themselves. This was much more like caricaturized version
0: mm-hmm.
1: of Nick Cage than the version of Bruce Campbell was in that movie. Uh,
0: well, I think it, in this comparison, it helps showcase that like, you know, Bruce Campbell, and I love Bruce Campbell and I love the evil dead stuff, but that's what he's known for. He's known for Ash Williams. Yeah. That's the character that he is truly known for. Nick Cage, you know, he gets a lot of crap. And it's even referenced in the movie, right? That he's working too much, that he does too many movies, and at the same time, though, we know him for so many iconic characters because he's done a lot of really big action films that people remember, right? The Rock, Con Air, uh, National Treasure, Ghost Rider, Face Off—all of those movies, people know those, and those are those are all different characters in different films, and so. Regardless of which cage is your favorite, there's a lot to choose from. And this movie just steers totally into all of that. You know, yeah. and it does answer some of those criticisms too. I like that it answered that criticism because, you know, I'm sure that I've poked fun at, at actors like him and others who have put out six movies in a year because it feels like how could they possibly have the time to do that? But he sees this as his work, it's his job, it's how he makes money and pays his bills and yada, yada, yada. So, why is it bad if he does a lot of it right? right and i liked that the movie just straight up was like yeah it don't it doesn't matter that he does it a lot that's that's what he likes to do
1: yeah you know? no i agree i think it's good that they addressed that as well and i was happy to, to hear that but uh i think he'll see why he was a, how he was able to do six movies a year as we get through this list and you get to some of the more obscure movies um i'm not going to say he phones it in i've never seen a movie where he phones anything in That's one thing I'll always say about Nick Cage. And one of the reasons why I love him so much is that he always gives a hundred percent, even if it's like a seven minutes of screen time movie, he's always going to in that seven minutes do his best to bring something different and memorable into it. So, um, but yeah, you'll see (laughs) how he's able to do six movies or however many movies a year, I think as we go through, as as will I, because I will be getting a refresher course and some new introductions on that too. But.
0: Well, I think a lot of it, you know, is scale. Right. Like, you know, he doesn't do these major ensemble films that have a dozen characters that have they have to coordinate schedules for that have a bunch of post-production via, you know, VFX and you months of reshoots and things like that. He doesn't tend to take those types of roles. You know, whether right. he's offered them or not, I don't know. Right. But he doesn't tend to take those those roles
1: well and more recently he's done you know some voice acting stuff too so Mm -hmm. that that isn't nearly as you know he can record his lines for that in much less time than it takes to film scenes for a movie
0: so absolutely yeah Yeah. so one thing that this movie kind of obsesses a little bit about that you know it's kind of out of left field is paddington 2 have you ever seen a paddington movie ryan
1: no but i did have a paddington bear toy as a child
0: Oh, and a, a t- t-
1: and a Teddy ruxman.
0: yeah, which is similar similar vein. Yeah, I had a Teddy ruxman. Um, I haven't seen the Paddington movies either, but I'll tell you what, it kind of made me want to watch Paddington too. Well, I you know have why. a child,
1: so you can watch it and have it not be weird.
0: I don't know. Javi and Cage watched it together and seemed to really, you know, appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's
0: our next movie night. Paddington that'll be your,
1: that'll be your solo solo episode of this show.
0: <laughs> that hurts. That hurts we'll see we'll see you know you know
1: i'm not much into kids movies in general
0: uh, maybe it's more than that ryan maybe well
1: than that i will the world will never know
0: (laughs) or or you'll never know Mm, well
1: a little bit of both
0: (laughs) um so the movie kind of gets even more meta at the tail end right because yeah. So the whole, the, 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 crux of it is that Javi wants Nick to star in his movie. Javi's written a script. And, uh, what I love about it is when Nick finds out about that, he's like, send me the script right now. I'll read it right now. You know, and I, I really like, I liked that. I thought that was, that was really cool. And, uh, it was his agent, uh, think played by Neil Patrick Harris, who, who didn't send it to him. And just a tangent for a minute there. I love Neil Patrick Harris. I have no, other than wanting to work with nick cage and and maybe you know pedro pascal a little bit i don't know why he took this role it's such a toned down minor role for this guy who has just massive showmanship and you know tends to do these really kind of big characters to just be this like corporate agent guy i don't know i'm not sure why why he did it
1: i don't know i feel like they toned down i don't know i feel like they were playing a lot of these side characters kind of toned down to ta- not take away from to, or to give a better disparity between pedro pascal and nick cage and everybody else because the cia characters were not really that interesting they were probably like the li- the least interesting part of the movie for me um along with uh yeah neil patrick harris and i think some of that is by design to just give give it a big like i said a bigger disparity but uh,
0: and I agree with you there. My question is then just like, why, why hire these actors? Why bring in people that the audience if they want to know?
1: If they want to do it, why, why yeah. not? I mean, well,
0: right. And that, that's where my question came from for NPH is just why, you know, maybe he just really wanted to work with Nick Cage. I
1: think that's probably pretty likely. I mean, I think everybody yeah. there wanted, really wanted to work with Nick Cage. I don't think Tiffany Haddish was, uh, was, you know, acting that much when she was freaking out when she saw Nick <laughs> Cage.
0: They were probably
1: literally just filmed the first time the two of them met and used that in the movie.
0: I'm good with that headcanon. Yeah, cute. exactly. I'll take that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so so Nick doesn't like the script. He reads it. He, 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 well, it's not that he doesn't like it. He likes it, but it's not for him. He's not going to do it. So he offers to write a movie with Javi and that's where things for me their relationship just I think like really takes off you know now they're collaborating together to make this movie and I I just love how they did a very Edgar Wright thing in this movie where they explained what's going to happen to the audience in the movie yeah right and Edgar Wright does that a lot uh especially in the Cornetto trilogy and they did that right here with the movie that they write together is the movie that we're watching and i don't know i'm a sucker for that kind of stuff yeah
1: no i think that was great yeah i don't have any issues with that um it was not expected necessarily but mm-hmm. definitely uh, it was a good reveal when you kind of figure that out
0: yeah i, th- I thought it was a lot of fun because it, t- it takes these you know regular people i mean you know they're they're still very wealthy but like not action star people and they turn them into these action heroes in the film and it's just then at the end, of course, it just goes totally off the rails. And now you're watching the actual movie that they wrote. Right. And so it's just kind of like layers on layers, which is just I really love that kind of that kind of craziness. I mean, I like it.
1: that, too. But I also think that that was a, uh, one of my le- least favorite part of the movies. Parts of the movie was you don't actually get to see the re- real resolution as to how that ended. You only see this like, uh, you know, super actioned up like uh, but that's what happened. Blockbuster. He, cut, he caught a knife and then threw it and come on. No, that, you know, that's not actually what happened. They, <laughs> there's a reason why they only showed that part of the, like as the movie at the well, end. Well, Gadu have done
0: something to get away.
1: I'm sure he did something, but we never know. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what my problem is. I would rather have like seen at least at some point what actually happened and have it be something that was nowhere near as cool as that. <laughs> and because I think that would have been way more funny to, to have it be like they just made it super cool because it's Nick Cage but that, that didn't actually happen that way. Like he talked his way out of it or something instead.
0: I mean, they could have had some fun with it. Right. Like, so they cut to it. They do the scene as, as we see it. Right. And then when everyone's applauding and then they're talking after the show, you know, they can, someone can like say something about how, you know, maybe his daughter, right. Kind of like, you know, bugging him a little bit says like, that's not how, it's not quite how I remember it, dad. And then it cuts back to what actually happened. I think that yeah. could have been really fun. Uh, but it did throw me off at first because like I was not expecting to see like Demi Moore. That was, that just kind of threw me off. But
1: <laughs> Yeah. That was weird. I actually didn't recognize her at first because I haven't, I don't think I've seen her in a movie in a long time. So uh, it was a little shocking. I was like, who is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it right. worked, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it was, it was interesting. It threw me off for a second, like for a brief moment, I got really confused. <sighs> <laughs> you know, yeah i think I it was intended to be that way what was happening you know but yeah you know i'm I'm glad that they didn't kill off javi though i thought that that's what they were gonna do yeah and turn it into this like kind of sad thing but they didn't like it kind of ends on this really happy positive note javi gets his big movie with nick cage and uh nick learns all these big lessons and he's hanging out now with with his uh daughter and I guess still ex-wife. I mean, maybe they patched things up. It was know. a little ambiguous in the end there, but yeah. Watching the brilliant Paddington two, <laughs> <It's>
1: debatably brilliant,
0: <laughs> but it was sweet. I mean, so, like sometimes a, a a happy ending is fine.
1: Sure. Yeah, I had no yeah. problem with it being a happy ending. I, I like liked Tavi a lot, and because he was innocent, and you were led to believe that he was guilty the whole movie, I wouldn't have liked it very much if he had gotten killed off. <laughs> um, cause that doesn't seem like a very fair ending for some for a guy that was really just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make friends with Nick cage and had might, maybe been wrapped up in some crappy stuff, but he hadn't actually like been the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now there's of course all the spy stuff that, that goes on. We didn't really talk too much about that. Uh, really only one scene for that stands out to me. And that's the, the scene where he has to break into the security room. Mm-hmm. Right, and so he's supposed to break into the security room and like hack the cameras, um, and he accidentally doses himself with some chemical that is yeah. you know, that knocks you out over the course of however long is necessary for him to for the movie. <laughs> yeah, because it, well, they say that it should knock him out in a few seconds, but he like
1: just barely touches his face, which I guess is their justification for why it took so long to actually like make him go unconscious or whatever. Cause the idea is that he slap somebody with a full hand or whatever to stick it to their face or whatever part of their body that he hits. And uh, that's why it goes fast. But in this case, he like just barely touches his face. So it takes <laughs> that, longer for it to come, to come through.
0: That interaction is really great. That back and forth. I touched my face. I think I touched my face. Well, did you touch your face? I think I touched. My face.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was good. And that then him good. having to get back in to get the antidote. He and her having roles. to say, uh, what did she say to get She's him? An to action. Get action. Yeah. That's yeah. She, like that. He's a yeah. trained actor. Yeah.
0: What, what I appreciated about it is he doesn't do a lot of physical comedy. You know, that's not really a thing that he does. Like his roles are usually, they're they're serious action roles or they're dramatic roles. He doesn't really do comedy that much. And it was kind of fun to see him lean into the comedic side. Because I think he is a really funny guy and we just don't get to see it very much
1: i mean he there's there's some comedy in his history so i'm not super sure, surprised some. but
0: uh yeah it is, it is
1: before. nice to to lean into that a little bit in this movie and in is is in his more old years i mean not that he's elderly or anything but uh you know he's getting up there so physical comedy probably takes its toll a little bit more now than it did back when he did more of that type of thing you know sure. the vampire's kiss era and uh some of those <laughs> but yeah I, I i was happy to see that too he did a great job with that
0: mm-hmm. it it was fun i really enjoyed it um are there any other aspects of the movie you want to talk about before we we give it our rating our cage rating
1: i mean not really i think we covered most everything uh that i was really interested in uh, the car chase was or was there a couple of car chases, one with Javi's car and then the one at the end. I don't know. Well, they were both well done.
0: Yeah, but the one in Javi's car is not really a car chase because nobody's actually chasing right. Cars. Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> but they treat it like a car chase.
0: They do. They do. Yeah. They do treat it like a car chase. My my nitpicky side of me wants to be a little annoyed because they clearly damage that car. And then when they pull up to Javi's place, it's totally like pristine. But you know. I
1: did love that they kept you know referencing that or uh, letting Nick Cage drive because he did his own stunts and got in 60 <laughs> seconds. That that part was pretty funny to me. And that was like they didn't slap you in the face with it the whole time. But if you were just watching and that he was basically always the one driving because mm-hmm. <laughs> after that line was said earlier on, yeah, I thought that was great.
0: It is really good. That was oh, I did forget the scene where they swap shoes. So after they find out that oh, they yeah. have to kill each other. Right. And it's all really, it's really tense because they each know they have to kill the other one, but they don't know that the other one is going to do it. And they take the long drive up to where the cliff is. And, you know, they, they swap the shoes. It's just like this, like really great endearing moment between the two of them about just how great they are together. And then they have to go and kill each other. And javi's so surprised <laughs> nick pulls the, gu- the golden guns out and wants to kill javi he's so confused and so surprised
1: well it was a little confusing for me too like did javi just keep these guns loaded in in this room or did, did like nick cage have to go find the guns and then go find some bullets for him? i mean I, I, it's a I little thought, weird
0: i thought a little bit about that too because at the same time like what kind of gun did they really use in the movie? Like did they use a real gun? They, like, they real reference that
1: in the movie? movie. Yeah, they they reference it in in Unbearable Weight. They say, you know that you use real guns in that movie and it Cage just, like says it at the same time he does because they wanted to make it clear that they were real guns.
0: But is that actually true yeah. or is that just for the movie?
1: John Woo movie. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how he did it like almost all his movies.
0: Fair enough. I didn't, Which I, nowadays I sure. is a big no-no. Well, yeah, especially but, yeah, definitely. But I wasn't sure if that was one of the fictionalized things or not.
1: It might have been. I don't know. I thought I read something at some point that said John Woo liked to use real guns, so they felt like they had the right weight and everything else.
0: Well, I mean, maybe you know, maybe they weren't already loaded, but maybe the bullets were like also on display nearby because they were like production. He had the ready. movie accurate bullets. Yeah, he had the production ready bullets. I don't know, but then they wouldn't have been real bullets. They would have been blanks. Nice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of bodyguards and stuff. Maybe he just stole some ammo.
1: Yeah. He just knocked one of them out real quick and stole their gun. And it just <laughs> happened to be the right ammo for this other gun. There is more than one type of bullet in the world.
0: No, there's just the one apparently just... <laughs> gun, gun bullets. As long as you got gun bullets, you're good. Yeah. You're fine. They're all interchangeable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to be nitpicky. That no. was just like something I was thinking about in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and, you really, and would
1: know, right? Like if he didn't yeah. leave them loaded there, he'd be like, well, I don't leave those loaded and we don't have anybody that uses nine millimeter ammo <laughs> at my place. So I know that you don't have any ammo in those, you know,
0: maybe he doesn't know what his guys carry
1: or maybe he was panicked in the moment and <laughs> trying to figure out why he got guns pulled on him, even if they
0: aren't loaded. Well, but Nick does use the guns uh, once true. they're found out, right? Yeah. And everybody shows up to kill both of them, and they that's team true. back up, you know, because uh, they don't want to kill each other. That's yeah. You know, then he yeah, he's actually using the real guns now. Does he ever reload? <laughs> that's a separate separate question.
1: <laughs> real guns don't ever need to be reloaded, Derek.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what the game sharks for. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Cheat codes. <laughs>
0: Uh, anything else anything else that we haven't touched on no sir no okay so we are going to be doing ratings on all of these movies each movie gets two different scores and then the movie shows up on our cageometer graph of of cageness and so basically one score is quality of the film right is it a good movie do we would the lay
1: person enjoy it in general yeah
0: yeah is yeah Good, you know, overall good script and good acting and all those different types of things. Uh, and then the other scale is the, ch- the the cagey cheesiness of the movie, right? How cheesy and over the top is the cage. And that's you know, separate from the movie, right? So you can have a bad movie that he, that cage is just stellar in. You can have a amazing movie that Nick is just totally cheesy and over the top in, right? So this are, these are a quadrant, kind of map right that these are going to go into and for sake of argument the scale here is going to be out of 20. okay okay so that way a completely mediocre movie with a totally middle of the road cage would be like a ten ten on our graph all right so that's how that works and then we're going to post it up on all of our social media stuff when uh when we get that out it'll go out you know so
1: just to clarify with the caginess side of it is one is not at all cheesy very serious 20 is the ultimate cheesy or reverse
0: Mm, 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 mm. i just
1: want to keep this consistent for our listeners
0: No, no 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 you're right you're right you're right i think i think 20 should be like the crazy cheesiness
1: okay and yes. one would be like the most serious cage role that you've ever seen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah.
1: So just because it's a low score on that one doesn't mean it's something that people should avoid.
0: Right. Yeah. And we're not yeah, that that score is not so much like a a qualitative score. It's really just about his character. It's a scale. Yeah, it's a scale. Exactly. Because I mean it really just depends what kind of movie you're going for, right? Like clue is one of my all time favorite films It's probably my number one favorite film of all time. That movie is not tight. It is not edited. Well, it's not dubbed. Well, it is corny and cheesy as hell. That's got some of my favorite actors in it and I find it hilarious. So I I thought we were going to
1: get through one episode of this without you mentioning clue, but couldn't happen. It
0: didn't happen. I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was a thing. We need to put a board back here that says
1: there has been zero (laughs) episodes since Derek mentioned clue.
0: (laughs) I'll make a graphic for us. Perfect. Thank you. Cool. Um, and yeah. And then, so we'll, we'll provide our, our scores for that. And then another thing that we're going to do. So we have, we have, we have a wheel, we have the the wheel of cage and it's a wheel that has 15 cage movies on it. And what I'm going to do is after each one of our episodes, I'm going to spin the wheel and it will pick the next movie that we're going to watch and discuss here on the show. And then that movie will be removed from the wheel. We'll randomly pick from the remaining pool and, and get one added to it. I'll use a computer program for that part. So that'll be something I'll film that that'll also go out on social media. So you will know what we're going to be talking about next. If you want to watch along with us and, uh, and yeah, that's it. So Ryan, how would you rate the unbearable weight of massive talent? Um.
1: It's better than average, but it's not the best movie of Cage, in my opinion. Uh, I'd probably put it at like a 15.
0: For like quality? 16. Yes. Okay. So yeah, 50- 20,
1: 20 being like the highest quality. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have just done this on a 1 to 10 scale and that would have been simpler. Well, the reason do- I
0: wanted to do 20 was because he has so many films. I want right. to give us a wiggle room so they're not Makes all sense. right on top of each other.
1: Plus so. everybody does one through 10. That's boring.
0: Yeah. And then you start getting like, well, it's a three and a half. Well, okay. Well now we, yeah,
1: I'm thinking like 15 or 16, but I know you and I are going to come to a compromise between whatever our two scores are. So I'm curious to hear where yours is at too.
0: Well, okay. But so 15 or 16
1: on that one. Yeah. Which one Somewhere in there uh, on, on the quality. Yeah. I'll put it at a, at a 15.
0: Okay. 15. All right. Um, you know, I, I actually, I really liked it a lot. I thought it was a really good film. It was really original and unique. And overall, fairly tight. Like, my criticisms are pretty minimal when it comes to this movie. So I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to give it a 17.
1: Okay, Don't so run. we meet in the middle of a 16.
0: I think so. So now the caginess. Now, this one's a little bit tougher because there's two cages
1: mm-hmm. in the
0: movie. So you have to kind of think about Nikki as well as Nick. Yeah, where are you at on it? So 20 is like as, as cagey cheesy as possible. One right. is like as serious like Academy Award winner as possible. So I think when you combine in Nikki, you've got the, the Nick Cage smooches and the all that kind of jazz. I gotta put this up fairly high on the Nick Cage scale. And you know, I haven't seen every Nick Cage movie, so I don't want to just like throw it at a 20 or something like that necessarily, but I think it's pretty high. So I'm gonna put it at an 18.
1: Good lord okay um see i was thinking that those moments are so few and far between uh that you get the really cagey stuff and it's much more of like a a serious Mm. cage in general so i was going to put it like a like a 14
0: okay so 14 for you i said 18 so that puts us also at 16 yeah okay so there you go 16 16 for our first film that's really interesting and we'll show
1: the quadrant we'll release the like quadrant image to show where that sits and eventually you'll be able to see where it relates to all the other movies that we review
0: yeah we'll update it after each episode
1: yeah
0: yep so that that's it so uh minor how you know uh you know uh whatever you call it housekeeping stuff so we are the coming of cage podcast so you can find us on twitter at coming of cage we're going to be on facebook and uh youtube you can uh find all of our stuff right now if you if you need to find stuff we're uh at the dorico studios pages on on those because that is our kind of our production company that that does all that type of jazz until we have our own page to worry about and i don't know if we got like the spinner and some other things i mean i don't know we probably won't be doing like tiktok or anything like that but you never know i won't be but derek <laughs> might be <laughs> well your voice might end up on there that's true i'm fine with that you know i'll take out little clips you sure. know I don't, I don't know if i have the time for that but hey we're gonna be pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast you can stream it on the dorico Studios.com website website will be on apple podcasts and uh, spotify and stitcher and all that kind of good stuff so just you know Go to our site and you can figure all that type of stuff out. Links will be in the uh, links will be in the show notes. That's what you call them. Call them show notes, show notes. I've podcasted before once, Uh, (laughs) once or twice or 500 times. Uh, Yeah. So that's it. Anything else, Ryan, on this one? Thank God. No, thank God. No. All right. Well, (laughs) thank you to everybody who joined us for the first episode ever of the coming of cage podcast. I am Derek. That was Ryan. We will be back. We do this every other week. So we'll be back with another show. Follow us on social media to find out which movie we'll be reviewing next when we do the spinner. We'll catch you next time, everybody.
1: Bye. Brilliant. It's just brilliant. I
0: know.
1: I'm not too worried about the quality. I don't think people listening to this are going to be like, man, you know, if they were just a little bit higher quality, I'd give it another listen.